Hello, and welcome to our new episode of Learning Together. I am Meredith Manis. And Jeremiah Rush. We are excited to have you joining us today. So let's start out with a few celebrations. We have a lot that's been going on in our district. I wanted to start off with um, station rotation. Um, We saw a tweet from Perry Straley at Nelson that Texas History had a presentation within two days of learning about using station rotation and blended learning. They turned it around, used it in class, and it was amazing how well the kids did. So a shout out for them trying something new and the kids seemed to really enjoy it and the learning was awesome. It's great to see all the station rotation where people are just trying it. It's um, Catlin Tucker. If you guys are know her or don't know her, follow her on Twitter. And she has some amazing tips to make it really practical and easy to do some of these new strategies. And it's a great platform for being able to pr- provide choice, provide blended learning, to bring in our future ready skills. So it's exciting to see teachers using these things. Well, another example of going to a training and then implementing it pretty quickly is where we're seeing a lot of flexible seating in our classrooms. So I was at Wester this week and I saw um, Allison Gruber teaches Texas history. And what I really was impressed with her room is she took the desks we already had. She lowered some to the ground. She lifted some higher. It wasn't using cinder blocks or some of the things that make it a little unsafe, but she used our materials to create an environment, which was just awesome. And to walk in and just see kids standing where they if they wanted to stand or sitting in the low desks it, you could just feel that the kids were in at ease in the learning that was going on it was really cool i saw the same thing at pearson middle school madison presented there in sixth grade did the exact same thing and she also went out to ikea and just got a couple of cushions and a few of those stretchy bands so kids could be having some movement some quiet movement if they needed it and I think she told me she spent like less than $40 and totally transformed her classroom. So it's really cool to see. And it's nice turning these learning spaces into places where kids feel welcome and they feel like they can learn. I think it's a, a shift that we have in education of thinking of who we're providing those the room for. So it's exciting to see them doing that. One thing this week that we both got to, to watch is um, we, our training for our new ICs was completed this week. So excited to see the, these leaders as they have developed through this year in the Instructional um, Coach Academy and just excited to see as they continue as ICs at their campuses what they'll be able to do. And we actually use station rotation in their last day of training too. And I got to lead a teacher table and so it was a lot of fun to have just a small group to go through our IC handbook. What a great way to teach station rotation by using station rotation. And I like that model of if you're going to do some, teach teachers to do some type of strategy, they have to see it and they have to experience it for them to really understand how it works. And it helps with the buy-in also. We also rolled out our eighth grade Canvas star review site this week. It was a um, team effort for sure. We had five digital learning coaches that support social studies throughout the district help us to build that site as well as five eighth grade history teachers in our district. And so we divided up some of the content. We had a vision for that site. And it's just wonderful to be able to provide something that can be catered to students' needs in an online platform. And it gave so many choices of how you could enrich or intervene for kids. And I like also on that night, we were able to have our teachers share ideas that they have for review. So we had all of our middle school eighth grade teachers basically in a room talking about what they do and being able to feed off of each other. That was really, the energy was amazing that night. 
Yes, I love when brand new teachers can share their ideas along with our veteran teachers and everybody is learning something new. So I appreciate the collaboration and the time that was given by our teachers on an evening after school and they really came together to support each other. Well, speaking of learning from each other, um, we have our first Twitter chat on literacy for social studies. It's going to be hosted by Stephanie Conklin from Clark and Erin Jewell. She's from Cobb. She's our GT teacher at Cobb that helps to support social studies. So I love when we can have collaboration across departments too. And that's going to be March 4th from 6.30 to 7 o'clock. So really excited to be able to have all of our teachers be able to collaborate in that format. And they're both on our literacy cadre, which we've been working on behind the scenes this year to to support our teachers in the literacy. So we've got some great, exciting things that they've been working on to help support the initiative. And please join us. I think you guys uh, will really enjoy it and learn a lot. It'll be awesome. So last week, we attended the Texas Social Studies Supervisors Association meeting in Austin. We heard from TEA, the State Board of Education, two amazing keynote speakers, and attended several breakout sessions from leaders across the state of Texas and social studies. So let's recap some of those highlights from our sessions. So Meredith, can you talk to us about what you learned from our first keynote speaker? Yes, we got to hear from Chastity Elenu Alati. She is a coordinator for social studies in Fort Bend ISD. And it was an amazing story about local history, first of all. Um, There's so many of these things that we're learning that aren't in our textbooks and just looking for local rich history is something that we all should be doing. Um, They kind of stumbled across this though. This is about the Sugarland 95. You may have heard about this in the news, but the school district was building a new Kate Center and they started doing the excavation on the ground and they found some unmarked graves. So of course that's gonna halt any of the building that they were doing for that campus. And they just started to bring in people that could do the archeology span on the site. And what they discovered, they found 95 unmarked graves. So they're called the Sugarland 95. So then they just started digging in deeper, literally to try to figure out what happened there in that history. And really it goes back to Texas after the Civil War. So there was all these sugar plantations in that area, hence Sugarland, and they were slave plantations. And after the Civil War, when slavery was abolished with the 13th Amendment, um, obviously we know a little bit of the history that it, um, with Jim Crow laws and some of the other laws, they started this convict lease system. So people were arrested for just silly things and forced into basically slavery again as a prisoner. And so they had all these plantations still, and this was one of them, and all these people had worked on this plantation as under the convict lease system. There's a great video on PBS, and it's about this convict lease system. It's called Slavery by Another Name. So definitely check that out if you can. And it's just a great reminder of how we can incorporate local history into our classrooms. Any Texas history teacher could bring this into their classrooms. Any eighth grade history teacher could bring it in when they're talking about what it was like after the Civil War. So, and you know, American history in 11th grade as well. Um, Cause this went on for several years leading up to the Civil Rights Movement. 
Um, but definitely you can look it up. Go to Fort Bend ISD and just Google Sugarland 95. They have the whole story there and lots of resources that you could use in your classroom. I was impressed with how the school district, the community, and even students came together as part of this research and how they celebrated the lives of the, the people that they had found in, in this area. And it just, it, it was a, a great story and so well told, a great presentation of the story also. Yes, and definitely you can follow her on Twitter as well. Um, she's got great things that she puts out there for social studies. So Jeremiah, our second keynote on day two was from a senior education manager at the Pulitzer Center. So what were some of your takeaways from his talk? So we were lucky enough to have Fareed Mustavi from the Pulitzer Center present on some of the news that we often miss because of the way that news is um, presented by mainstream media. He talked about how to access other types of media and other media outlets and really talked even about the difference between media platforms and media outlets. And oftentimes our kids think of, I go to Twitter for news. Well, you don't go to Twitter for news. You go to an outlet for it. They have amazing resources. And if you go to the Pulitzer Center website, the education materials are awesome, full lessons. And more importantly, if you email them, they will look for articles related to what you need. One of the things I went to his later presentation also that I really appreciated was how to get kids to look at articles through an empathetic lens. And he did it using the idea of swiping through news and a social media platform. When you see a picture, oftentimes the picture in itself determines whether you go and look more at the news. So he's looked at, start the kids with the picture. What do they see? Are they interested? Give them a little piece of the headline. Are they interested? And then as you read the article, making kids either connect to what's the subject matter, where the, the article's taking place, and if there are challenges that they may face. And so it was really an interesting lens to get kids looking through their articles and really getting into literacy in a, in a great way. And I really appreciated just the resources because resources are very difficult for us to find. Well, and it takes so much time to find the right resource and you really got to read through it and looking for bias. And we definitely, if we're going to put a point of view in front of the students, we need to put both points of view. Mm -hmm. So I love that they would partner with us to make sure that the, the articles meet our needs and also can give us lots of different points of view about an event. And the choice that they brought in, that giving kids a chance to look up and research something that they're really passionate about. I like their poem contest that there are a lot of avenues that they provide for us to give kids a chance to learn what they want to learn, not just what we kind of our message for the day, that there's a lot of history and there's a lot going on that's outside of our textbooks. And we need to honor that to keep our kids engaged. We were also lucky enough to get updates straight from TEA. So what were some of the things that we um, that teachers should know right now? Yes, well, there are a few changes that are going to be happening with state testing over the next few years. So one of them that is going into effect this year through field tests affects the 11th grade U.S. History EOC. It's House Bill 1244. And right now, this year, they're going to field test just eight questions that come from the civics test. So the U.S. Civics and Immigration Services list of questions that you can find on their website, but also TEA has a place for study material for these students. They are just field test questions, and it also can't just be random questions from the civics test. These are going to be 
topics that are tied to our standards. So if our teachers are teaching our standards, which we know they are, and we know they're doing such a great job with government and citizenship, this is not going to be a problem for our students. So just something to be aware of, but we are going to be just fine. They also have a variety of teacher committees, and their new applications for these committees start after March 1st, and it'll be on the TA's website. But these are committees where you can go down to Austin, you can review star test items and give feedback on them. You have a lot of, um, I'd say, like input into the star question if you're on one of these committees because the committee can vote not to have that question on the test, or they can uh, suggest some rewording of the items. So it is a great learning experience for somebody on the committee, but also it's such a nice, a nice thing to have a voice when it's something that's going to be an assessment that we're held accountable for. And they also have these new teacher institutes and their week-long institutes where you dive deep into assessment and the alignment of standards. So great learning opportunities. They have other committees as well. And you just fill out the application and they start to form them. So definitely apply. What a great way to, for our teachers to be empowered to give feedback on the tests that our, our kids have to take and just some, our standards in general. So it's, it's important for you to be involved in these processes so that your perspectives are also heard. Yes. The State Board of Education also approved a one-credit course for African-American studies. The proposed TEKS for this course are going to be open for public comment March 6th through April 10th on the TEA's website and State Board of Education websites. So it will go for final approval in April. So when you get a chance, take a look at those standards and give them feedback. Again, let your views be known. Mm -hmm. They also have an advisory committee. Now this committee is already set, but they are the committee that looks at changing the STAR test. So nothing is finalized yet, but there was a bill, House Bill 3906, that looks at adjusting the test to meet um, the needs of our students, but also to give us better assessment data. They are looking at only 75% of the tests being multiple choice. They are looking at what would that other 25% be? It could be a written, open-ended written response. It could be matching, like it can be anything other than multiple choice. So they are, there's no decisions there yet. And then they also are gonna start with the online testing. And this will go into effect the school year of 2022 and 2023. We'll definitely be following that to see what those changes will look like as we get closer. So this is just a small part of the learning that we had when we were in Austin last week. You can see more information from the breakout sessions that we attended by following us on Twitter. Each of us have our own Twitter account. I'm at Meredith Manis. I'm at Jeremiah Rush um, 4. And you also can just follow the general social studies one. It's at FISD social studies. Well, we're excited that our next podcast, we're going to be focusing on personalized learning. So bringing in the journey of both the experience of that we have in, in our learning, but also bringing in some of those experiences from our teachers. All right, you guys will have a great spring break and we will see you next month.